You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Vegas Comic Con with return guests, one of my favorite guests, <laughs> Orlando. How have you been? Doing good, man. Doing good. Thank you so much for coming by our table, coming by our booth, seeing us. It's gl- I'm glad to see a happy, smiling face that I get to sit to, sit across the across the row from uh, and Yuma. And Yuma, that's, <laughs> and Yuma, that's why we get to sit right across from each other. <laughs> Usually, yeah. Uh, so um, you know. Last time we talked, we were we were talking about Fantasia Con, right? And uh, I would say that this year we didn't have one. What, no, we didn't on? have Fantasia. Some things have come up, and Fantasia got pushed back. Plain and simple, some personal things in my own life, okay. uh, with my own books, have come up that may make it more difficult to do Fantasia. Okay, I mean that was going to bring you another thing. I mean, uh, I would say that I, I do follow you on social media. Right. You've been having some conversations. Anything we can talk about yet? Not yet. Not and yet. I made a mistake last week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Putting no. something on Facebook and was told to take it right off <laughs> once <laughs> word got out. And I won't do that again. Okay, good. Uh, some things are, but you know, let's let's keep it real. We as creators, we love the medium of comics. We mm-hmm. love creating things and telling our stories. But it's tough, especially for the independents. You know that. Mm-hmm. And to get an opportunity to take a book, something you've worked on, created all your life, and that you have a passion for, and to take it to the next level, it's something we would all, in the end, I think most of us would like to do. It's plain and simply, because it's tough to, to make it as an independent, especially with the, the big boys out there doing, putting everything that they're putting out. Very true. So um, I believe, not I believe, we've, we're having an opportunity for one of my books to take it to the next level. And if that happened, that's what's delayed. That, okay. That's what delayed Fantasia. We, but we had to see what was going on, if this was going to happen or not. And if it does happen, that's going to change everything <laughs> with Fantasia because I'll be working on some other stuff. It's true. You uh, might have a full plate. Yeah, I will have a totally full plate uh, <laughs> if this happens. So we're just waiting to get the get the word uh, and see where it goes, where it takes where it takes us. Um, that's one of the things, being with, with, with First Comics, number one First Comics is um, we have a passion our publisher, uh, Ken F. Levin, he's been just such a a mentor, a leader, and very supportive. But he's been doing it on his own. Okay. And in the end, my ultimate goal, this man has invested probably easily $100,000 in just to my own dreams and bringing forth my books. Okay. All I want... All I strive for in life is to get this man his money back. <laughs> I wanna, if I can get him his money back so and pay off this investment, that's all that would matter to me. And so he set it up for us to be at this show and everything. And I, the other thing is, if one of our books, doesn't matter which one, if it's mine or another one, is able to go to the next level, then I think that will open up the, open up the door to all the other books. That's right. Like, you know, high tide rises all ships, right? One of the biggest issues, I think, that many people have 
some of the formulas in Hollywood, they do the same things over and over again, just a different version of the same thing. We at First Comics, many independents and uh, creators, period, have some really unique books that just have been overlooked or haven't gotten the exposure uh, because we don't have the marketing dollars that other companies do. And so if one of our books are able to do that, they'll probably be like, hey, what else you got? And then next thing you know, next thing you know, hopefully the the, the, the doors or the uh, the waterfall can come and then can can not only support us uh, financially with uh, our projects, but he can get all the money he's supporting us with, get, get that in return and then some. So that's the ultimate goal. Okay. So, I mean, obviously that's, uh, that's the ultimate goal, but where, where are we at right now with your books? Where, where are we at? Are you, are you creating another one? I am. Um, there's two things we're working on. I'm creating a we just last week, interesting, we were just at the Phoenix Comic Con yep. last week, Fanf- and yeah. turns out we sold out of every single trade of RRH, which was great. Nice. So we have no trades in stock. I don't even have any trades, <laughs> which I should have grabbed a couple for myself, and I did not. So we're completely out of trades I now. mean, that's a good problem that's to have. A, that is. It really is. It is. It's a good problem to have. And from what I understand, for our stock, this is it on RRH also, <laughs> that all everything that's been printed has pretty much been sold. Wow! So we're going to work on another trade uh, for our H to, to, to finish the, uh, the second trade, and with Night Stalker, we're already done. Mm-hmm. We've, we're done with these uh, with basically the Night Stalker trade. It's ready to print. Um, we were supposed to actually print. We got permission to print it just literally two weeks ago, and then the issue. The issue with uh, another one of my books came up <laughs> where they, it may be going to the next level. So they put everything on hold oh, no. to deal to deal with this. So here I am. My anchor is Victor Moria. He, he's over there in okay. um, Artist Alley, and I, so I call Victor, and I'm just like, "Hey, Vic, we're gonna print. We're gonna print Night Stalker." He's like, "Oh, are you serious? We've been waiting over a year to do." This. I was like, "Yes, we finally get to print all the Night Stalker." And then but we got an email that <laughs> said we're gonna put it on the brakes. We got to wait to figure out this other deal, see what happens with that, and then we'll start focusing on Night Stalker. So that you know, so I already gave. Our, information already right there there you go yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> okay so what, what as, as a indie comic book creator right. like that you know what what are the steps what what is it that that how how did you get out there and you find yourself with uh first comic you know what by pure luck yeah plain and simple uh i believe that there is an ultimate plan uh with you know my higher power uh praising god and, and doing things the right way and i was just a dude on the other side of the table who liked comics and read some bad comics. Read mm-hmm. some bad comics that sucked. I mean, that they, they just weren't very good to me. To me, sense. they weren't, yeah. And my wife, and I made a comment one time, and I was just like, man, I could write this. And my wife was just like, you know, Orlando, you are a pretty, you're a pretty good writer. You should get into that. I think you could write this. And I was like, really? Like, yeah. I had no idea what I was getting myself in. So I came up with my story. My first book was Pariah. I right. self-published it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it did actually pretty well for a self-published book. And I was totally unknown. Nobody knew me. And then um, my wife, again, uh, she was just like, you know, but I really like the, the, the character Diana, the Night Stalker, and, and Pariah. She goes, I think that's, that's your best thing. I'm like, you thought it was better than Pariah? She's like, yeah, her character's actually pretty cool. <laughs> so I took her advice. I was just like, okay. Then I came up with Night Stalker and uh, self-published that and was lucky enough in 2000, I think it's 2014 now, or 2015, 2014, uh, I submitted it for a couple of contests, uh, Night Stalker, and I, I got the Glyph Award for Best Female Character, so That's I actually right. won one of the contests. And then, but, I mean, even that, it's cool, but it's just like, hey, I, I did this, but it doesn't really, honestly, mean a whole lot unless people know you won the Glyph Award. That's right. So I went to San Diego, 
just like every all those other thousands of artists and creators and like hey went to pedal my stuff there in San Diego and um I just happened to come by number one first comics and knew nothing about number one first comics publishers really only thing I I mean keep keeping it real only thing I knew was the big guys Marvel Marvel DC Dark Horse right and of course you know Image mm-hmm. <laughs> Image and Aspen and that was pretty much it and um I saw number one first comics Ken Levin was there and I said you know I said hey speak of the devil Right behind me, <laughs> Mr. Kim Kim Levin, <laughs> and and once that happened, um, I was like, "Hey, my name's Orlando Harding." Da, da, da. And Kim Kim was like, "Hey, wait a minute, I know your name. Didn't you win the Glyph Award?" I was like, "Yeah, that's me." And then Kim asked me to step right on in, and I stepped right on in, and I've been with him ever since. I've mean, <laughs> been with him ever since. Never I, left his side. That's quite the that's quite the meeting. Yes. Um, what is it that? Uh, so I mean that that can happen at a at a big con like San Diego Con, San Diego Comic Con, as you said. Is the same thing something that could happen for uh, a young creator, indie creator at a small con like this? Yeah, it can absolutely. But you got to, you know, what? let's plain and simple. You got to be relentless. Okay. If you want to sit there and have somebody recognize your talent and just sit there and recognize you're a genius, good luck with that. You have to promote yourself. You got to get out there. I knew, I believed. My stuff was good. I was sure of that. But even though it's good, there are a lot of other people out there who got good stuff. And one of the things I pay attention to Ken, one time we did a panel, it was like last year, and Ken said something that kind of struck me. He was like, there are a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There are a lot of good projects out there. He goes, I'm not looking for good. I'm looking for great. And I, that struck me. I was like, wow. I said, I thought about it. It's like, whoa, he's right. There is a lot of good stuff out there. What? They're looking for something that stands above just good. <laughs> just good. The cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. You know, the cream rises to the top. And that's what he's looking for. Thank goodness he was able to see that I had enough talent where he was, you know, willing and able to give me a chance with it. Any young creator, any old creator can do that. But you have to find the right people at the right time. And you got to be relentless with it. Um, sitting at your own table, just sitting there, not speaking to people, not engaging people, it's not going to get it. <laughs> I had to get out there. I had to go to each booth, talk to people, say things, say, hey, take a look at this. I got something here. And most of the time, people were just like, you know what? You do have something here. You know, I actually got close to Image. I got close with Image, you know, when I, before I went to uh, number one first. Um, Image Comics looked at it, looked at my stuff, and um, it was the creator of uh, Savage Dragon. Eric Larson. Uh, Eric Larson? Is that Eric Larson? Yeah, Eric Larson. And he was like, hey, I like this. He goes, he said, I'm not the publisher anymore. He had just stepped down. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was Eric Stevenson who had uh, taken over. And he says, I'm going to submit your name. He goes, I'm going to send a personal email and see if they're willing to give you a chance. He goes, you've got some good stuff here. And it just didn't work out because, you know, Image never returned my calls or anything. And my many emails. And I mean, I had to send them over 60, 70 emails. And so I didn't want, you know, you, you're relentless. You don't only become a pest, though. Right. So I figured after 60, 70 emails, nobody returned them, that it wasn't going to happen. That, that, you got your answer. <laughs> I got my answer. I got my answer. And so that that's what I kept going. And then luckily. Um, number one first. Number one first. You know, I went by their booth and it worked so. out. And, and I think that's the way it was supposed to be. I really, truly believe that now. I wouldn't trade number one first comics for anything. I really wouldn't. So, I mean, obviously, then you have a unique story, and uh, the comic book creators are there's full of unique stories. But um, is that the is that your your advice is to just to go up and you know be relentless and, and 
you know, keep putting your name out there, keep uh, pushing it along, keep like show it to everybody. You got to. Well, not show it to everybody. Show it to people who can actually make a decision. Fair enough. Who can, who can actually do something. You know, just show it to everybody. But, you know, even with that, though, you got to show it to your fans uh, or potential fans. Mm-hmm. you got to show them why they should buy your book. What's so cool about your book? Because, you know, uh, a picture's worth a thousand words, but the cover doesn't tell the true story. And I just love, you know, once you get your pitch together, like when I pitch RRH or when I pitch Night Stalker, I give them a pitch where I know I'm going to say a couple of key words. They're going to be like, Whoa! That's pretty cool. Never heard that before. When I bring up RRH and bring up Ancestry.com, people are just like, I have never heard a story like that. That's got a cool story. When I bring up Night Stalker and talking about her going through, t- t- traveling through time mm-hmm. to 1920s, 30s, Mississippi, Alabama, yeah. <laughs> having to deal with that stuff. People are like, well, never heard that story before. And that's the hook. That's what you hook them in with. And and that's the hook is a great thing, but it's been actually not a good thing here. This 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 kind. I've had so many people come by asking for the new Night Stalker book, and it's not ready to be printed. <laughs> it's not ready. Like they're like Orlando, where's the new book? You said it was coming out. I said yes. Hopefully, in about two or three weeks, yeah. we will get the permission to print it. And as a matter of fact, because we're talking here, when we get off the thing, I'll talk to Ken about it again because Ken is now here sitting sitting, <laughs> sitting down at the booth. But that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to do. Um, you want to talk to your Ken F. Levins or whoever there at the table who can actually look at your stuff, have time to look at it. And then, you know, it's tough how to show. And they know what they're looking for. Just like if an artist comes to me and say, hey, I got this artwork and I'm looking for an artist or, or, or an inker or something like that. I know what I'm looking for. I know what's good. I know what, what I'm not looking for. These guys know. And they can look at it three or four pages sequentially. And they can tell. And same thing. You got to find these guys, these key guys, and say, "Hey!" And then, if you get their card, you get their name, email address. You got to keep you got to keep after them because they're busy. They're going through, and then they got the people that who are already with them. Mm. And then you're competing against those guys coming out with their new books and all the new people trying to break in. So you got to you got to stand out. I think it's so important to stand out. So I mean, that's a good that's that's interesting you brought that up because what is it that you personally as a writer look for in an artist when you're making when you're creating a book I mean I don't know if you've kept stayed with the same artist the whole time or you went through different ones um it's a funny thing um I'll be having new artists on on both of my books Night Stalker we've got the same artist uh, David Miller throughout but he's moving on to other projects mm-hmm. uh with RRH Andres Esparza uh he's moved on uh during the hiatus so I'll be looking for for new stuff and I mean even just even just recently I talked to my inker and said, hey, you know what kind of style I like. You know, it, you know it's got to look polished. It's got to, you know, the features have to look good, facial expressions, you know. Um, but here's the thing. Um, you want somebody competent, but you want somebody you can afford. <laughs> you can afford, too. I found this one guy's work, and I was, like, really digging it. And my, my inker, uh, Victor Mora, he was just like, Orlando, yeah, he's really good, but he's also a 1000 bucks a page. Like, are you serious? Turns out he was one of the biggest artists for Marvel out there. And I said, oh, we won't be using him. That's not going to work <laughs> no, That's not going to happen no time soon. So I need somebody who isn't quite so big where you can't afford them, but who are willing to work on a small independent book. That has a lot of potential. And so when people bring me their work, I can tell if, it, I, can, if I can dig it. Um, one thing that's really important to me, you got to be able to draw minority characters. My book... My books have strong leads in them, but I want my books to be reflective of what the world looks like. So you got to be able to draw African Americans. You got to be able to draw Latino Americans. You got to be able to draw Asians or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not just going to be all one race, one culture. And then 
you give them some sample pages to work on a script and see what they do with it, see how they come up with it. And you can tell if you can work with somebody, even if they're not quite there, there's some things you can work on a little bit and, and help to mold them a little bit. And that's what you're looking for is somebody that might be willing to grow, grow with you. So is that is, is that a do you, do you go looking on the internet for for like uh, artists or is, do you even take people like submitting their portfolios here at, at their booth and stuff like that? Um, here at, at the Vegas show, no. Okay. But, uh, I will be at the Portfolio Review in San Diego. Oh, I go to Portfolio go. Review every single year in San Diego. Makes sense. That's how I found the Nice Talker, our Nice Talker artist David Miller. I found I found him at Portfolio Review in San Diego, and Andres Esparza, I found him <laughs> at Portfolio Review, and Andres also submitted to a number one first comics contest for the next super comic book hero, so he also submitted to that, and I remembered his work in San Diego, and then he submitted, I was like, man, who, who is this guy? I said, oh, I know who this guy is, and there, and there you go. Um, there are a lot of good, talented people out there who just haven't had the opportunity, who, you know, and there are people even who have had the opportunity, it didn't work out, they're no longer with Marvel or DC or something like that, and that's why they call them starving artists. A lot of them are starving to get out there. And if you can work with me, if you're reasonable, and we can work together, that makes the team that much better. Uh, I don't know, and I'll cut this out if it's not appropriate, okay. but what's 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 the good, like, what's a what's a reasonable rate for when you're starting with a starting artist? You know, it depends. Okay. Truthfully, it depends. Um, at number one first, I mean, um, we're not going to offer anybody like 50 bucks a page or 60 bucks a page or anything like that. We're not going to do that. But we won't be offering three, $400 a page either. Okay. It's going to probably be somewhere between, I'm guessing, 100 bucks a page to probably 180 to 200 bucks a page, depending on whatever Kenneth think, thinks is feasible. Right. Um, but for someone that's that's just trying to get their first book out. First book out, I mean, they should be happy. I mean, really, it's the attitude. They should be happy. If they can get 100 bucks a page or 120 bucks a page, take it, grab it, and use that. Because even with that, if you're published, a lot of times when you do the portfolio reviews or you go to different publishers, they'll ask you, have you been published before? And they're like, no. <laughs> at least with this, at $100 a page, $120, $150 a page, you are now published. You can actually show your, your published work. And that makes a lot of difference. That means you can meet timelines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can meet, you can meet the demands of making a monthly book or just being cohesive with a team so they can see your finished product. Even though I get a, I get the, a lot of credit for Night Stalk and RH as a creator, as a writer, it's a total team effort. It's I a, couldn't do it without David Miller. I couldn't have done it without Andres Esparza. I couldn't have done it without uh, Kelly Nettle. I couldn't have done it without Ed Dukeshire. And I sure as heck couldn't have done it with my colors who's been with me from the, from the beginning, Steve Cobb. <laughs> Those are the guys who are with me from, from the beginning. And then the great thing at this show, I found my anchor, Victor Moya. Yeah. Victor Moya, he was my anchor. He just happened to be walking by. He walked, I kid you not, he walked by our table when we were here about three, four years ago. It's like, I'm an anchor. I do inking work. And I was just like, hey, let me see your stuff. I loved his inks. Nice. I loved them. And I was like, hey, I'm working on this new book, RRH. And, you know, Victor was like, okay, listen, let me take a look at it. And it didn't work out for him for RRH. But the second part of Night Stalker was coming where it did work out for him. And Victor ended up doing all the inks on the new Night Stalker book that's coming out. And he can't wait for it to be published and neither can I because Victor <laughs> did a great job on it. <laughs> that makes complete sense. Yes. Uh, okay, so what have you seen at this con so far? What, what's, what's, what's the big thing? What's the cool thing that you've seen at this con? You know what? There's so many talented people here. Uh-huh. I mean, really, I'm here to honestly peddle the number one first right. comics book. That's whatever. But I can't help but walk around and see the cool stuff. Even, even back here, I kid you not, 
right behind our booth, we we have this this guy Aaron right here, and he does he does flatware. Yeah. And I have no problem saying I'm a huge Venom fan, and he had like Venom coffee cups, and they're like the Starbucks coffee cups, but with the nice they're double sealed in there and right. keeps the coffee warm and everything. And I drink coffee, and uh, so I had so I, I went and bought, bought this cup yesterday. I paid thirty bucks for it, but I thought it was the, one of the coolest Venom things I ever saw. So I, <laughs> I grabbed it, and he had flatware and you could forks and knives, and that's one of the cool. You know, you don't see a whole lot of forks and knives and things like that with with comic book stuff on it. So I thought this would actually be kind of cool. Yeah, you know, kind of, and I think it, it it would bring attention. Yeah, I mean, you don't you're not going to see anybody else selling flatware no, at a convention. No, you're not going to see that. So, and you see, there are people at this booth right now, right and now, it, and it had been like that the whole time. So I said, and I knew. I better hurry up and get that uh, that coffee cup before somebody else grabbed it. He said it was his last one, and so I grabbed it real quick before so somebody it. else grabbed it. And then so, and but you know, it's the normal, typical stuff here. You see, you know, so much, so many talented guys here and everything like that. And that's just it. I have to. I know my limits. If I really start walking this floor, I'm really going to start spending money that I probably <laughs> shouldn't start spending, and my wife is not going to be too happy. She's not going to sweat me over one $30 cup. I'm, I'm just going to be honest, man. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm not going to look at any more stuff because I will end up buying it and coming home with a few hundred dollars worth of stuff, and I do not want to do that. <laughs> uh, okay, so you just said you're a big fan of Venom. Did you big see the fan. movie? I saw the Venom movie. And? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah? I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty good. You know, as a creator or writer or whatever, not the way I would have done it, but it's not my movie. It's not your but movie. it was cool to see Venom out there doing it. He was pretty creepy. He was. He was, he was definitely pretty creepy. Um, I like I like the movie. I thought it was pretty good. Um, and I, I'll be looking forward to the new stuff that comes out. You know, Marvel and Marvel films and the superhero films and all of that stuff, Marvel, DC, and whomever else, they're all real hot right now. And as a fan of Venom, I was just cool. I was just happy. I went on the premiere night. The, the, the day it came, came out, hit all the theaters. We went and watched it with a local comic book store who sold out the theater for all the comic book fans in, our, in the area that I live in. And so we all went and saw it together. It was cool. I took the wife and everything. So we had a good time. We had a good time. Awesome. Good. Okay, so last question. Okay. When you get your free time, when you get your down moments, what is it you like to geek out about? What is it that you're, you're into that, you know, that isn't doesn't necessarily have to be related to comic books or anything like that. It could be working on cars. It could be playing poker. Like, you know what? Um, that's a I think a great question. A great question. But you know, I just geek out on any and everything. You okay. know, I'm I'm a bit sad right now. My Warriors lost in the play and and, and the, the finals in right. the NBA finals. I'm I was kind of upset about that. Some of my favorite players got hurt. And you know, it's funny when I get a little bit distressed by that and sporting events and stuff like that, I start thinking of stuff. So believe it or not, I came up with a new story. There you go. <laughs> I came up with a new story just for, I was a little bit irritated the way my Warriors lost. And I got a little irritated and I find when I'm in those moments I'm in my head, I start thinking of some cool concept. I came up well, actually with a concept, a really cool concept for a new story. I started jotting things down. I already know what I'm going to call it, and I'm going to start outlining some stuff. And, you know, but you know, no matter what I geek out on, keeping it real, it always comes back to comics. Yeah. It always comes back to it telling a story. Okay. Something that I think people would think is cool, you know. And I'll be watching Forensic Files or, or, or something of that nature. You'll be like, hey, that'd be a cool story for this, this, and that. And just out of reality or real life and, you know, just putting certain twists on it that people may, you know, think is cool. So, and, but no matter geek out, it's either sports or it's comics. They go, they're one and the same with me. I, I, know, I know I said that was the last question, but so you said you just, you straight up just jotted it down right after mm-hmm. you, uh, you were watching the game. Right. Now, was that... Do you keep like a piece of paper and pencil on hand, or do you do Siri take this note down? No, no. You know what? Um, I have a song, Samsung, and I just start recording. There you go. I just start recording. Just do a voice note. Um, before 
I would do paper and everything, but I didn't realize my phone even had a recorder, so I'm not very <laughs> not very tech savvy. I didn't even know my phone had a recorder. And then I had to figure out what a recorder was once I realized it did have one, and I found it very easy just to start speaking things. Because you know what? Throughout the day, you might think of things, but it's so interesting. You may think of the coolest thing, but an hour later, you may f- completely forget what you thought of. So I, when I come up with these cool ideas, I have to do it right there on the spot. Or else later on, I'm going to forget what it was. I'm like, damn, what was that cool thing I had? I, what was it? Like, I have no idea. And I've learned from that because I've thought of some cool ideas. And an hour later, I could not remember what they were. You just like that was the best thing I could have came up with. And yep. then you're like, what was that? What thing? was it? What was that? So it worked out. So that's uh, everything now. Everything I do now, I, I, I make sure I record. So this is Mitch down here on the floor of amazing Las Vegas Comic Con with Orlando Harding saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.